0: Hey, it's Shane here. Throughout the majority of my career, I spent thousands of hours on my technique to try to be as close to perfect as I could be. But the one thing I didn't work on was my mental skills, on the exact mindset I needed every ball to be able to access all of my technical skills that I worked so hard to develop. Well, I've recently released my book, Winning the Inner Battle. Which has all of the information that you will ever need to deeply understand how you can create the correct mindset for you so that you can bring the best version of yourself every time you step out into the middle. Go to shamewatson.au to purchase a copy of Winning the Inner Battle Now. It is available in paperback, ebook, or audiobook versions. Well, it's now time for your episode of Lessons Learned with the Greats. Enjoy if you spoke to just about anyone who played who was lucky enough to play for australia and then they
1: retired i bet if you asked them 99 percent would say oh, i just wish i hadn't put so much pressure on myself i just enjoyed myself a little bit more and then you just want to give these people that advice but you say it to them it goes in one ear and out the other so it's that would be the advice i could give myself if I, a younger version of myself if i, if I could
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lessons Learned with the Greats. I'm Shane Watson, and today we are joined by one of my favourite teammates that I ever played with. It seemed like for a long while that this guy was only going to be a one-test wonder, debuting for Australia in 2008 against India. Then thanks to some common-sense selection, (laughs) this guy carved an incredibly successful test career as a rock at the top of the Aussie batting lineup during his next 24 test matches that he played. I'm so pumped to have Chris Rogers on my show. Thank you so much for joining me, mate.
1: Pleasure, Wado. Um, Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me, mate. I'm um, looking forward to, to this. I know you've had some big names on here. So, uh, yeah, it's just pretty humble to be on a, a list with all those those names. Nah,
0: I'm, I'm looking forward to this, mate. Okay, in Buck's 25 test matches, he scored just over 2,000 runs at an awesome average of 42.87 with five test hundreds. Bucky scored the majority of these runs in the biggest cauldron for an Australian cricketer, playing three Ashes series in two years and being the leading run scorer across these three series, with two of these being in English conditions. And to go with his incredibly impactful test career, Buck played 313 313 first-class matches, scoring 25,470 runs. Gosh, at an amazing average of 49.55, with a staggering – 7400s 74, <laughs> 74 Goodness me. Okay, seventy six, to... but
1: seventy six, mate. But there you, can, you can. Yeah, <sighs> but, yeah. I got, i got two in my last game, so maybe, maybe
0: Wikipedia's missed it. Yeah, miss mustn't. Have, yeah, okay. And quick info. <laughs> Apologies, mate. I don't get that wrong. <laughs> okay. Um, sorry, Bucky. I don't always tell you
1: short. I always know that because <laughs> I, I, I always say I have seventy six stories to tell. So, um, and and often do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Good on you, mate. As you should. Um, okay, I need to tell everyone that um, early on in our careers, we didn't actually, we didn't really get on that well, uh, playing against each other in domestic cricket, and then with each other during an Australia A series in two thousand six. I was a very single-minded individual with no empathy at the time for different people's situations. So I can see why we didn't really see eye to eye <laughs> because of where I was at. <laughs> um, but then once we reunited in 2013, um, you certainly became one of my favourite teammates that I played with. Uh, you're a very articulate, thoughtful and fun-loving guy. And we certainly had some great times together <laughs> on and off the field.
1: Uh, yeah, it was it was interesting because I always find, you know, there's, there's different kind of characters and, and there's the kind of character who um, is pretty determined to get to the top, um, and, and single minded. And, and, uh, I don't think you'd, you know, you'd take offense if I said that that was, that was your style. And, and I probably, I don't know, I wasn't particularly a talented young player and, you know, always looked at the players above me and thought oh, I'd never be as good as them kind of thing. So I never really had a lot of expectation around that. And, um, probably some of my behaviors, um, reflected that. I, I probably, enjoyed myself a little bit too much. And it, and it kind of, therefore you're, you're, you know, we, we um, didn't quite get on or see eye to eye. I reckon that was probably where it stemmed a little bit around, but I I just, I'll tell you a story. I don't know if you know this story, but um, when I kind of got back into the, to the side, um, there was a bit of a perception that you were quite hard to get to know. And um, I would kind of, you know, I, I hadn't really never known you that well, and then we were actually playing in a game at at uh, at Worcestershire, and it was it was a warm up game before the first test. Mm-hmm. And um, you were absolutely braining them. You were you were you were scoring that over a run a ball, and you kept kind of smacking them through cover point um, off the back foot um, or just straight driving them. And I walked down. And it was a weird pitch. It was kind of almost looked like it was a bit corrugated, um, but across the wicket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, I just said to you, I said, look, mate, um, you, you, you're absolutely flying here. I just wouldn't play the pull shot or at least I'd have a look at one. And you kind of looked at me and almost to say, what the hell, you know, what the hell are you talking to me about that for? You go back to your end and I'll go back to mine kind of thing. And the very next ball, the guy ran and bowled a bumper and you went to shape up the it, and then it kind of held in the wicket. Yet, yeah, last second, you had to kind of pull out of it and I remember you looked at me after that and you just had this kind of big smile on your face um, and I reckon that was the moment, I don't know if it was, but it was kind of the moment you, I think you thought, okay this guy can actually, you know, he could help me he could offer me something and stuff like that and then and then maybe we could work t- uh, together well and, and I reckon from there on it kind of, yeah, we, we got on pretty well so that, that was a, I, I've told that story a few times um, but yeah, I, I'd say that you can be quite hard to get to know, but once you do get to know you, I think, you know, like you'd you'd be very loyal person, that kind of thing. So that that's probably yeah, my, my take on it. I don't know how <laughs> if that, that makes sense to you or you can even remember it.
0: Oh look, I I definitely remember that. I remember that game, I remember that innings. Um but I suppose the thing that I can't remember that exact incident, but what I do yeah. what I do remember is like I was, it was so refreshing to have someone in the team at that time. Like 2013, I'd been in the team for, for quite a long, like time on sort of on and off. And to be able to have someone I could really like talk to about like cricket and batting and the like intricate sort of details around, you know, why you did things. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get enough of it. And I absolutely, I, I loved it. Um, whereas there's, you know, being a senior player in the team, there's not always a lot of people that you can really sit down and, and talk to and and really um, yeah, engage in that conversation around, you know, the intricate details of batting. So I, yeah, I, I thrived on it. And also, you know, life you know, you're definitely lived lived a um you're very worldly with your different experiences of, you know, the life that you live. So I also I love that. So yeah, different it's amazing how different times of your life <laughs> you can connect yeah. and not connect. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely um, Okay, before we dig into the more intricate questions that I'm going to um, dive into, um, I need to mention one highlight of you that really stands out to me above um, all of the others, and this was your Boxing Day Test 100, which I was so fortunate to be able to share with you um, on the field at that time. Bucky, what do you remember about that that incredible time?
1: Um, uh, various things. I think um, after the third test, I kind of thought I was still a little bit in, under pressure, um, but then we were going to the MCG and I was I – was, um, I, I got 50 in the last innings uh, in Perth, I think, um, in the test before. And then we went there and then I remember we were going to win the toss and bat and I went up to you and I said, mate, I think you need to tell Clark um, that we should bowl. This pitch only gets better because, you know, I, I played for Victoria. And, and you said, mate, go and tell him yourself. <laughs> so I went up.
0: I wouldn't have said that. I went, yeah, I went up. <laughs>
1: I went up for him. and um, I did, and in the end, he did. He won the toss and he bowled. Um, and we were under a bit of pressure. We were actually behind on the first innings. I got—I think I got fifty in the first innings. And uh, Stuart Broad hit me in the head and he cut me. Actually, I actually think I played better after I'd, I'd, I'd taken the hit. And then, um, then I think Mitch Johnson. Um, bowled the house down We got got a run out or something like that in, in uh, a big run out in that second inning, in their second innings. Um, And then we had a pretty good chase and the pitch had flattened out. It was, it was beautiful. Um, And it was one of those days that it just, it just went my way. I nicked, I think I nicked one that was dropped at first slip, the kind of keeper went to go for it and pulled out last second and, and things like that. And um, we got off to a pretty decent start. I think Davey and I, um, and then, yeah, and then you came in, um, and it was beautiful to bat on. And we just, we just kind of grinded them them down, really. That that was probably. Some people love to go out and smack them, and you know others really just like to grind them down, and you know, um, and kind of uh, batting into the into the dirt kind of thing. And and so that was a it was an enjoyable day. And then um, I didn't quite make it to the end, but. In some respects, I got out just before the end. In some respects, that was good because I got to walk off to like a standing ovation, mm-hmm. that, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, to get a, to get a hundred on your home ground um, was was pretty special, and, and yeah, a boxing a Boxing Day, and also that was the that was the first day of the test was um, ninety two thousand people. Mm. So that was that was an incredible. That was the world record, I think, at, at the time um, for, for people. I think it was. Um, uh, for a crowd. And that was, that was incredible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a special time, wasn't it? To be, to be in the Australian team with the whole, it se- it definitely seemed like the whole nation behind us for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that was the other thing. We'd, we'd won the series in, in Perth. Um, and we were just on such a high because we'd, we'd had some pretty tough times in England leading mm-hmm. up to it. And and you guys had, had even tougher times in India leading up to that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was absolutely incredible, and and to play that whole series with the same eleven blokes—that's um, that was
0: uh, another thing that was exceptionally special. Yeah, for sure. Um, Bucky, you had so many very special highlights during your career. Um, is there one that stands out to you the most above all the others?
1: Um, I think I, I think actually Rhino bonus to a, a victory um, in South Africa. <laughs> I, I think that that was. One of the, one of the great highlights, and, and also because I think, I know Rhino's one of your good mates, and he's one of my good mates as well, and he's, he's, you know, he's a world class human being, and then to, for him to do it like on, on one knee, um, was, was pretty special. So that, that was incredible. Winning, winning that series in, uh, in Australia, 5-0, that, that was amazing. But from a personal point of view, um, probably that the first century that, the, the Um, actually you and I put on, we must've put on 140, 130 or something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, and actually I, if you can remember, I couldn't, you, you got 64, something like that. And I couldn't, and I couldn't get off strike, um, um, for about 40 minutes. I was on 96 for Graham Swan, just wouldn't bowl me a bad ball and I was panicking. <laughs> and in the end you got out while I was on, I was on 96. I, you got caught down leg side and yeah. I, I kind of wondered if, because I just, I just hit a brick wall. I couldn't, ch- couldn't um, change the strike or anything. But, but anyway, then I, then I kind of panicked and I hit a, a blind sweep almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a fraction of a moment when, when you hit it um, or as a player, you hit it and you know, it's four but no one else in the, in the crowd or no one else at the stadium knows it's four. And it's kind of, you know, I kind of hit it. And as soon as I hit it, I knew I'd got a hundred and I kind of yelled yes. And then
0: um, I was batting with Hads at
1: the time. He just came out and he put his arm around me and just said, uh, um, you deserve that mate. And then uh, down the, I was down the other end while he was batting the next over and I was kind of shedding a tear. So that, that was, you know, it's, it's like, it's all everything that you've kind of, you've worked so hard for you in your career. It all just culminates in this one moment. So, um, yeah, that, that's probably the thing I'd never thought I'd be able to
0: achieve and then and then it happened. So, yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, good on you, mate. It's bloody well-deserved. Okay, now for anyone who doesn't know, and they will now, uh, Buck is an absolute student on the art of batting, um, which is why um, we here in Australia are so lucky to have him coaching our next generation of batsmen with his immense knowledge. So I really can't wait to be able to dig into the next this next part. From a batting perspective, uh, was there one technical component that really stands out to you that you developed? So from that moment on, you knew if you brought that every time you batted, you're a great chance of having a great day.
1: There, well, there's
0: a couple of things, but, you know, one's technical and one's mental. So. Yeah. Start with the technical one.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the technical one was actually from, a, from Lance Klusner, of all people. You know, very different players. Yeah. Um, but I played with him at Northamptonshire, and he had a bit of a weird stance. He had a wide, wide feet kind of thing and stuff, like, a left-handed batsman. Um, and I kind of just watched him about, and I just asked him a couple of questions. And he, he said something to me that always resonated with me. He said, "He said, what position do you want to be in when you hit the ball? And and, and so I should preface that by saying, like, where does the bowler what length does a bowler hit the most in red ball cricket? You know, it's a good length trying to hit top of off kind of thing. He said, so what position do you want to be in? And I kind of said, Oh, I probably like this position. You know, I got into that kind of position. He said, well, why don't you work backwards from there? Why don't you see what kind of position you can start with to get to that position most efficiently? (laughs) So that concept of working backwards was, was really interesting for me. And then, and then that kind of um, probably was a reason I stood the way I did, mm-hmm. you know. Like that was um, that that was yeah one of the reasons. So that, that was kinda, and, and the other thing is um, it's just from a mental point of view, it, it's, it's something that takes so long, but it's just kind of perfecting your your mental routine. When I ask guys about their like you know their even what they do post what their post-ball routine is they just tell me their pre-ball routine so it's like how to use the time in between balls to kind of review um switch off and then and then um prepare so it it was it's a little bit about how to use that time but also um how can you be consistent with it that kind of thing so um it takes it takes time um and even that's a skill in itself, but kind of once I got to a, a point, I was pretty happy with my mental routine. Um, then, then, you know, I was, I was pretty consistent with the way I played. Cause I was consistent with the way I, I think. And the other thing is when you ask someone about their pre-ball routine, it'll always be the physical things. They'll always go, Oh, I put my left foot down I put my right foot there or whatever. And then I tap my back twice and then I do this. And it's, it's actually, that's, for me that's not always the important stuff it's what's happening between your your, your ears and and how are you focusing your thoughts cuz you know you, you can't you can't think nothing you've got to think something so you've got to have a focused mind whatever you're focusing on i think um, and how you get to that's uh, pretty important
0: yes it is uh, okay i've got it <laughs> i got a number of questions that pop up straight away okay i'll start i'll start just with the um, with a technical component to start with. Um, Yeah. So once you sort of work backwards from that position that you wanted to, was the best position for you to get into knowing where the bowls were going to bowl to you, um, talk me through how then you work back. Like what were the couple of lot of sequences in your setup to make sure that in your stance and with, you know, how you um, held your bat um, and the timing of sort of like your movements as a ball was about to be bowled. What would, can you talk me just through the sequence of those moves to then know that you're going to get yourself into that position that you're wanting you know as, as the ball's coming through the top of the stumps It's a really interesting one because
1: like when we could we could speak sit here and speak all day about this water and no doubt I'll confuse some people with the way I with my language, but it is my language and it's what makes um, sense to me but hmm. one of the things I came to terms with that was that I was more of a front foot player than a back foot player as well uh, and I think you should, you've, as a batsman you've got to work out you know what where do you score most of your runs you know some people will score most of their runs off the back foot so they would never have stood like I did for mm-hmm. instance but that was why I stood the way I did because I like to score off the front foot so I had the wide stance and then the other thing is I would trigger my weight towards the ball because mm-hmm. I wanted to get my head out and over the ball kind of thing so as a left-hander, a lot of times I think um, you fall over. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of batsmen do, whether you're left or right-hander. But um, I, I guess I don't know if it was growing up in, on in Perth with bouncy wickets where you're trying to kind of get across into the line of the ball. But mm. my head would always fall over. So in the end, to counter that, I would try and just kind of almost trigger towards the bowler, almost towards mid-on at times mm. to kind of auto-correct it. Um, and therefore I would, I would, um, trigger forward, but you know, like not many people trigger forward. Mm. Most people kind of trigger back and across or, Mm. or whatever. Um, so that was probably me. I was, I was trying to work as much in straight lines as possible as well. So as a, as an opening batsman, the ball was going to swing, um, you want your bat coming down straight. If your bat's not coming down straight, if it's kind of cutting across the ball, which you see a lot of um, batsmen do, then um, then you've got a really small um, uh, impact
0: zone because your bats kind of come across the line. The line, if that if that makes does that make sense? Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah, your contact point. Yeah, so yeah. if you're slightly inside the line or inside out, then your contact point has to be like perfect every ball. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. So. So, um,
1: so, yeah, so, so I, it was probably – I was trying to work on as straight lines as possible. So um, I didn't really want my weight going across the crease. I just wanted to go um, straight. And and sometimes it might have looked like it was going across, but it kind of felt pretty straight, which was fine, that, that kind of thing. But, yeah, the back coming down straight was probably um, one of the most important aspects because when you're playing swing, um, you, you've got to be able to – you know, whether you hit the ball kind of um, in line with your back back leg or out in front of yourself, you want to give yourself the best chance to to be able to um, to hit the ball. So if you, your your back coming down straight, that that gives you that chance. So um, and that doesn't always happen. So yeah, so so little things like that, head going forward um, and then back coming down straight. They, they were kind of my my basics, my fundamentals, mm-hmm. uh, and then you kind of you branch out from there. I, I guess. From a, a a tempo point of view as well, uh, the, one of the best bits of advice I got was from um, Greg Shippard. Mm. And he just talked about batting in gears, batting in first, second or third gear. First where you, you, you're defending and the ball kind of, you know, drops to your feet or whatever. Second gear where you're trying to hit ones and twos, just beat the infield and then third gear hit fours and sixes. And I'll never forget um, coaching... Uh, an under-17 team in um, CA11 in the under-19 championships. Um, and mate, they were just going out and, and trying to slog every ball. And I did a couple of laps with, with the guys, and I said, like, when the ball is running in, what are you thinking? And, then, and and a couple of them said, oh, I'm trying to hit a four or six. I went, oh, wow. And then then I said, so what happens if it's a good ball? And I said, then I defend. And I said, so your third thought is to try and hit it for one or two. So, so – th- that never made sense to me. Like I think um, for me, it was always, I'm trying to hit ones and twos. And if it's a real bad ball, I'd kind of, you know, follow through and hit it for four. If it was a good ball, then I could just pull back a little bit and defend Mm. kind of thing. So I was, I was in that middle zone about that was where my intent was. So um, yeah, just another thing. So I I might have gone off your your technical question a little bit there, but
0: um, I think it's all related. No, it certainly is. Um, Just, one thing. So, one of the critical things in batting is certainly, and you you made that point very clear around how important your head position is going towards the bowler. As soon as you yeah. start to commit across the line a little bit, then that's when bowlers can can expose can expose you by falling over. And that's one thing is just it's a fundamental. Whether you you take a like your pre movement is to take a step forward like yours was because that was a position you wanted to get into. Whether it's back and across or whatever your pre movement is, it's making sure that your head is not committed to the offside as the ball's bowled. So that what you said there by even like feeling like you're auto correcting by going to mid on, like your movement and your head going to mid on meant that you certainly, you weren't having your weight across the crease. So that was one point. The other one, just you talk about the straight bat, your bat coming through straight. How did you, what were the little things that you did to make sure that your bat was coming down straight? Because it's not as easy as it sounds.
1: No, there's probably some internal Use I use like some some little things that I would think about, but I guess one of the the best ways to to think about it is because most people slice the ball. So mm. I use I use golf or tennis anal- analogies around it. So for tennis people, is you kind of want to hit a like almost a topspin, um, or in golf a draw, that kind of stuff.
0: Mm.
1: Whereas when I see a lot of young guys when they defend, they'll slice it. They'll they'll kind of mm. cut it. And then for instance they'll defend and they'll be the bat they'll think they'll be trying to hit the ball straight, but it'll go to kind of cover or point and i will mm. be slicing it. So just as an external kind of thing for me, I was just looking to almost hit with a little bit of a a golfer's draw, like top spin. And so that would mean my hands would have to actually kind of go towards mid off, not towards mid on kind of thing. So that was just a a, a little um yeah, a little thing because I think I think if you work externally a bit more about like ha- where you're trying to get the ball to go, I think that that probably helps a little bit more than thinking a little bit too internally about what you're doing yep. as well. Yep, did, that, did, you ever, did you ever think like that, or was that was that is that something
0: you uh, hadn't really given much thought about? Um, I knew when I was batting well, like my defensive shots were pushing back straighter, like definitely. Yep. If, if I felt like I was defending the ball was going out to point, it meant that it meant that I was, I was slightly, my intent wasn't good enough and I wasn't actually getting my weight back, like back down, you know, yeah. towards the line of the, where the ball is coming from. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's a great, as you said, like that's, that's a skill of batting also is it's not, it's actually where you want the ball to go and go. And for the young, you know, young people listening to this as well, it's, it's not just the internal sort of technical sort of sh- um, makeup of it, it's actually the outcome. How can you get the ball to go in that position? How can you get the ball to actually go dead straight when you're defending, not like inside out slightly, and the ball's going, you know, dropping to point, for example? So you're absolutely right. There was a, and there's little moments along along your career, I think that that
1: um, make a bit of a difference. But I, I'll never forget at, at the Wacker, I um I was playing Stuart Clark, and he he nicked me off for a, a duck over the wicket. And I felt it swung in, nipped away. It was one of those balls. It felt like, ah, <laughs> oh, you know. And you walk off, go, mate, too good, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I went and looked at the footage, and this ball went dead straight. And in fact, because I was kind of slicing across the ball, my bat was on a bit of an angle, mm. um, and it just took like the, you know, the almost near the shoulder of the bat. But if I'd had my bat um, completely vertical and, and kind of following the line of the ball. Um, I would have hit that in the middle of the bat. So in the second innings, all I did was I just went out and I was thinking about, about trying to get my hands to go to mid off, hands to go to mid off. So I wouldn't cut across it. And, and um, it was one of my 76 stories. What I say.
0: Nice adjustment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So if listening listen to this, will realize why I loved chatting to Bucky about batting, just the intricate sort of like little details that, you know, people, a lot of people don't talk about, um, especially just something as simple as just getting your hands to go back down, like towards the line of the bowler has such a huge impact on bringing your full face to the ball. So um yeah. and there's no secrets of reason why you're able to play so well in English conditions, which was uh, swinging and seeming with the with a Duke ball, um, you know, and under grey skies at times, um as well as in England. And you were one of the batsmen, probably the, the batsman who played in English conditions better than most people, you know, of of my generation.
1: Yeah, I mean it helped when when I mean I played well, I was one of those guys who never really wanted to have a job either. So it, it was kind of like going to going to um, UK in the off-season playing um, club cricket while well, you still could where before it was hard to get a, a, a visa to go over there um, and play cricket. And then I, I did about 10 years of that. And then I started playing county cricket and I did another 10 years of that. So I had this ridiculous, you know, um, amount of... Um, learning from playing in England in those conditions that, that stood me in, in such great stead for it, you know, and, and, and even, you know, you watch, you watch the young guys coming through and, and just because, you know, it's, we play a lot of white ball cricket in in junior cricket um, because we, we, you know, the old two day cricket can be really long for for juniors. And Mm -hmm. I understand it you want them you want the, the players batting and bowling as much as they can, stuff like that. But, but one of the things I think is sometimes the, the ball just stops doing anything because the white wow. ball doesn't swing. And then as a just, you know, a players just not learning how to play with the ball that's kind of shifting in the air. So yeah. um, it, it's a skill that I think if you want to develop, you have to just um, find ways to do it. Even playing like, Mate, who plays with a taped up tennis ball, you know, in the backyard, you think it's their brother anymore, that, that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm played heaps of that. Um, you know, it was great fun. And, and you learn some of that, that, even that tracking, you know, and things like that. So, um, But, yeah, that, that's probably my take on it. We've just got to find kind of uh, modern ways to, to be able to teach guys to, to or help guys to learn how to
0: play the swinging ball. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and you certainly <laughs> developed that's that skill as very evident to see in those Ashes series that we played. Okay, I'm going to move um well back, but um onto the the mental th- um, skills that you talked about, which you talked about r- routine and how important the mental like your mental and your thought process routine, not your te- like the technical tapping your bat, putting your feet in this position, that sort of thing, which is a routine and timing side of things. But what? So, so talk to me through your um sequence of thoughts as um yeah in between balls then in the setup as the ball is about to start to run in and then as the bowler was about to release a ball talk me through your your sequence of thoughts because you're absolutely right what you said is it's a it's a trained skill that you need to be very aware of because you can't think about nothing <laughs> you've yeah. got to be you've got to be like very much <laughs> in control of what's coming in and <laughs> and what isn't.
1: Yeah, the, the the whole c ball hit ball mentality that that burns me. I, you know, like you can't go out and bat like that because if, if someone puts two back on the on the on the fence for the hook and someone bowls a short ball and you just play it and get caught there and walk off and say, "Oh, that's the shot I play, Well, then you're not going to go very far. So mm-hmm. you've got to you've got to have a process that helps you, enables you to, to think clearly and and um, uh, tactically as well. So. Um, yeah, and being consistent around that is probably something. Because if you're not consistent with your thoughts, you know, you, you're never going to be consistent with the batting as well. So oh, yeah. um, I, I guess the, the, the one thing that always used to be with me when I was younger was, you know, you, the, the whole premeditation. And, and it's the same with everyone, right? Someone's running in the bowl, and, and all of a sudden, like your mind starts thinking, oh, square leg's up. I'm going to whack this over square leg. And before you know it, it's a good length ball swinging away outside off stump, and you hit it straight up the chimney. And, and so, and then you walk off and you're kicking yourself thinking, why do I think that? And then it, then it kind of, as you, you get older, you realize that you just got to control your thinking. Um, and that's the most important thing. So, so for me, it was, it was a case of how do I focus my mind? And I think there's got to be a process to that. So it, it's, it's from going to having a lot of thoughts in your mind. Like we stand there and, um, you know, naturally you're going to be looking around going, where's the field? What's the bowler doing? What's the pitch doing? What's my partner? Um, how's he going? You know, what's the scoreboard? Um, where's the scoreboard at? And all these kind of thoughts. So then you've got to focus on what you want to focus on. So for me, it was a bit of a process where I went from having all these thoughts to I decided to have two, um, like, internal technical thoughts when the bowler was at the top of his mark. And usually that would just be about I would say feet and head, feet and head. And I'd say that over and over for a couple of times while he's at the top. And I just wanted to, to get myself in a good position like a well. and then when he ran into bowl, then I would go to one thought. So I was, I was narrowing my thoughts. So going from kind of a lot of thoughts to two thoughts down to one thought. And the one thought was more an external thought. It was, for me, it was kind of, um, I used to say, let the ball come in, let the ball come in. But you'd see, you know, like, you know, punter, he'd be pointing, he'd be kind of mouthing, watch the ball, watch yeah. the ball, that kind of stuff. Um, but I think one of the things we don't probably understand is it's really hard to go from having a lot of thoughts to having one thought. So how can you kind of get a bit of a process around kind of simplifying that and, and narrowing your thoughts? Um, so that that made a big difference to me once I kind of understood that. And, and, you know, even some of the, the wording I would use would change over the years because it's pretty hard to keep it, you know, the same thing over and over and over again, but it would be a similar concept, that kind of stuff. But it yeah. was definitely about how do I get myself to focus on what I'm trying to do as opposed to – um uh Kind of, uh, how do I say this? Um, just, just kind of standing there and and hoping it was going to happen, mm-hmm. kind of thing, or hoping that if I tap my back three times um, and then look up, everything was going to be okay.
0: That kind of stuff. So yeah. that was that was my process. Yeah. When did you realise that that was a process that worked? Because there would have been there would have had to have been a moment or a couple of moments where you're like, yeah, okay, I'm, this is going to work for me, and I need it to work.
1: Um, I think you experiment with
0: it. That, that's yeah. the other thing. You, you
1: experiment with a lot of these things, and and you see what works, what doesn't. Even even things like how do you prepare in the morning or the night before? Yeah. Just just try various things, and then and then um, see what happens. But you know, like it's it's. I mean that that was my pre-ball routine. And then I, what I what I kind of when I got into coaching, and then I would watch players who didn't know how to switch off either. Mm. So well, I didn't, I didn't know this, but I had a post-ball routine, a very, very good post-ball routine. I didn't, I just kind of, so back to your question, it just kind of evolved that, okay. that, that kind of thing. I would, I didn't like getting fledged, you know, like when we were facing Jimmy Anderson and he's sledging you badly because he did. <laughs> he just didn't stop talking every ball. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so what I would do, I would turn my back on, on, you know, the bowler and I would take about four or five steps and I basically got to a spot. And by the time I got to that spot, I reviewed what happened and I got to that spot. Then I would switch off. I'd like look over, look at a, you know, a tree or the crowd or just something and just kind of switch off. And then the bowler would be near in the top of his mark and I'd be like, okay, um, all right, I'm ready to go back into my pre-ball routine kind of thing. So you go and then you play the ball and then you go through that, that, Mm. that kind of circle again. So um, that, that I didn't even know I was doing that. And and it was then you kind of, you get into coaching and you hear, you know, people talk about it um, when you do, you know, you're learning it in courses or whatever. And you go, yeah, I did that. I just didn't realize I was doing it. So some of, some of this stuff is, is um, it just evolves like, trying to work out what works for you, I think. Mm. And then, yeah, just, um, just chipping away and, and be prepared to kind of um, try a few things. I think be prepared to make a few mistakes because you, you, you're going to make a few mistakes as well. I'll just go on, on that. I'll never forget a, um, Josh Filippi was with, with us in, um, so when I was coaching for Cricket Australia and we had him at the, um, the old Academy mm. and we were, we were, um, about to kind of play warm-up games against, against some of the state teams who were up in Queensland um, before the one-day tournament. And, and he just said to me, he said, mate, I reckon if I get 100 here, I'll, I'll get in the WA side. I said, okay, well, how are you going to do it? He said, I'll probably be pretty aggressive in the first kind of 10 overs. Then I'll just, when the spinners come and I'll just knock them around and, you know, like, and bat. I was like, pretty good. That, that's no worries. Hmm. And he got to about, after the 10 overs of every innings, he was about 40 and he was flying. I was like, mate, you just need to bat here. You'll get a hundred, no worries Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And he would, he'd face a couple of balls of a spin. Then he'd run down and hit like, he'd try and hit the biggest bomb ever. And he might, he'd go for six kind of thing. And then you would kind of see him kind of shake his head as if to say, that wasn't part of the plan. And then he'd block a couple and then run down again. And he'd hit one straight up in the air and he'd he'd walk off. What happened? He goes, I don't know, mate. Like, I, I, I genuinely don't know what happened kind of thing. And then I got quiet. He did it three times in a row. And then I, I kind of went to Michael Lloyd, you know, the the psychologist for Australia, and I said, Mm -hmm. mate, this guy keeps getting starts and then getting out. I said, I don't know if he's dumb or he's being selfish. Mm. And in the end, he said, maybe he's neither. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, think about your your brain's like a a water tank, you know? And when you go out to bat, the water's full um, because you're prepared well, you've eaten well, all that stuff. And then just as you go to bat, it's like someone opens the tap and the water gushes out and the, the water level's coming down. And if you don't find ways to kind of turn that tap down or turn it off or even put water back in, then that tap's going to run. It, the water's going to run out, and you know you're going to make a mistake. And um, and then I realised that's that kind of whole concept of using the time in between balls to to really switch off and allow. Because otherwise, if you if you if you're concentrating the whole time, you'll you'll you blow up. You just can't do it. That was
0: me. That was me. Yeah, you're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so that so just being able to use like and being able to control your tempo and relax between mm. balls and stuff like that, and and not worry too much. That's that's part of batting as well.
0: Yeah, it's very it's very powerful that you are able to um, really develop that that te- technique of one the pre-ball mental routine, but also the post-ball because as you said there, so re- so beautifully well is around like your your brain is a muscle and it's only got a certain yeah. amount of energy every day. And if you're like, yeah. I was so good at just switching, like switching on and staying on in between balls, non-strikers and that sort of thing. Like my, <laughs> my brain got fatigued pretty quickly by, by the time. Right, right. and, then, and, then, and then you make a mistake. Like technically, you think you get out technically and then everyone looks at the technique sort of how you got out. But it was actually the, actual, yeah, the ability for your mind to be able to have the energy that it needs to be able to react to the best of your ability. Yeah, So, um, yeah. yeah, absolutely right. And and that's the one thing that a lot of people don't really talk about. I, I certainly didn't ask you those questions. I wish I did. I certainly didn't ask you those questions around what was your – the mental skills side of things. We always talked about the technical side of batting, but not really. I didn't yeah. ask those questions. And they are as as important as the technical side of things, the mental skills, if you haven't got those and the routines to really understand how to um, get out of your own way so then you can access all your talent and your skill <laughs> and your technical skill, yeah. then um, – yeah. Yeah, you, you've you yeah you got you got no chance of being consistently successful anyway. Yeah, I mean, and
1: uh, mate, I was a, I was a bit the same. I, I kind of thought most things came back to your technical um, stuff, you know. And even mm. I finished and began coaching, I thought, "She's, I'm going to be able to make a big difference by just helping people's techniques, you know, that kind of stuff." Because all the stuff I see see go wrong, and you can't you can't like you can help people. Like understand technique a little bit, but then they go out and they just make mistakes. They just continue to make mistakes because they they can't control what's between the ears well enough, and and that's that's probably the bigger challenge. So probably some of the that yeah, just understanding for me is is yeah, you can you can work on technique, but if you don't work
0: on the the mental side, then it's a bit pointless too. Yeah, I completely agree. It's um, a lot of awesome information and knowledge there, Bucky. Um okay I'm going to move on to uh, the the media side of things and the media um challenges which can be different at, <laughs> at certain times. Um so from what you know now and with your experience in the media with your commentary as well as during your time playing would you have approached the media in a different way throughout your career?
1: Not necessarily like I always I always thought that just being open and honest and vulnerable to the to the media was as like in terms of a player getting interviewed or whatever I thought it was still Pretty good. Um, if you yep. can articulate yourself that way, um, you, you know, cause I, uh, uh, yeah, so that would be my, 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 take, um, in terms of, I wasn't really exposed to the, you know, the social media side of things until very late. And then, yeah, it was very confronting. I, I remember coming to you from advice when my childhood legend, um, basically sprayed me, you know, in the media. Um, And it was, it was, it was, it was confronting. Um, And you actually got me to get in touch with him. So that, that was, that was interesting. Um, And it helped. But then since kind of doing some work in the, in the media and working with some other really good people in the media, the, the, probably the one thing that stood out was, just not to pay attention to all the, the noise on social media because that they're the one percent of people that you just don't really worry about. Mm. But like the ninety nine percent of people who you know you, you do worry about, they don't really comment on social media because, you know, they just they're not or at least they're not um inclined to be abusive on on social mm. media. It's just that one percent that you just don't worry about. So that's easier said than done though. That that's you know, like I don't need to tell you I think that you know you probably copped um, um, a lot more than your fair share and and it, and it can be confronted you know you, even Mitch Johnson and the amount he copped um, when we were in England and it wasn't just on social media it was you know in the street and mm. the crowds and things like that it was it's, it's pretty tough but you've got to be pre- pretty thick-skinned around that. And just understand that cricket's just a game. It'll be okay. It'll continue long after we've gone, um, but just in, enjoy it while you can. Try not to make too many mistakes, um, but uh, but yeah, enjoy it. I think that sometimes you can get caught up in the bubble and you think the cricket's a bit more important than it actually is. Um, and so when people abuse you, it, it actually cuts really deep, but you know, there's a lot of it, it, it won't
0: last. Um, and you just got to be a bit philosophical about it yeah, and, and in regards to the social media side of things like what, what are you um, what advice do you give to you know, the young cricketers that you are, are coaching now around how to manage that as well as they possibly can knowing that there are yeah, a few one or a few percent that are the ones who are happy to have a very strong voice but um, but yeah, the best way to be able to navigate through it because it's part of you know, this, this generation right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the under-19 World Cup, we had a bit of an incident around it. Um, and probably what stood out was a little bit of the naivety around it, like guys thinking that, um, you know, that if they posted something, that there'd only be a few people who'd kind of take notice. Mm. And actually, there's there's a lot of people, and and there's then there's the kind of group of people who are ready to take you down as well. As well. So, um just probably being aware that you should be a little bit strategic around that. I, I, I kind of look, look at um, Peter Sittle's social media. I think it's pretty good. Like I, I think he's, he's quite thoughtful around it and it's not all about him. It's not me, me, me as well. That's the other mm. thing. It's, there's, there's a bit of care for other people and, and some good values around that, that kind of stuff. Whereas I think if you make it all about yourself, watch out. Because people mm. will be looking to take you down as well. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I, back to your point, I probably um, I quite happily tell people the young players to get off social media, but that's not going to happen anytime shortly. <laughs> but and equally, that that's naive as well. Because I think if you can use it well, it can be a real um, asset to you um, in the future. So it's just how you do it, and I think perhaps we should be giving them better education from a. Um, or not even us, you know, the, whether their managers do or things like that, um, but, but really helping them understand what it's all about because I think a lot of a lot of when they're coming through, they
0: don't really understand the power of it. Yeah, you're right. I think that's a big part is the education around the strategy and how to manage it as well as you possibly can. Um, and, yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> We've got to get onto that because re- it's really important. It's, it's a new day and age that, you know, these – um, yeah young people coming through are exposed to
1: and you're you you know you you're high up in the ACA you'll know that, that there is there is some education that's going into this. It's not like yeah. we we we're not doing this I, I know we've got um um various people who who help them with that it's still you know it's still a little bit of naivety of the of the players if they've got to learn as well and be
0: open to it. Yeah, yeah, very true. Bucky, this is going to get into another um, other aspects away um, from uh, the cricket life. Um, and for me, this is one of the most important life skills that most of us don't get much of an education on throughout our lives. Uh, but managing, investing our money as well as possible is is in, is integral to making the most of what we've got. So looking back from where you are now uh, with what you've earned throughout your life so far, would you have done things differently from an, like an investment or wealth generation perspective? Um, very different.
1: Right. Um, I think as a player you know like once I started doing well and the contracts kept coming in I was just a little bit like whatever the money would keep rolling in you know you yeah. keep seeing your bank bank balance go up but um, probably yeah I probably just you know I don't know if you remember but when we were young we would have kind of we would have investment people come in and give us kind of group talks and I would listen. And honestly, like, I would think I'm a relatively intelligent person, but I had absolutely no idea what they were talking about and some of their stuff. And it just scared me, you know, and, and from there, I just kind of almost ignored it as opposed to kind of thinking, um maybe i i just need to find a different way to understand all, all this kind of thing and then and then a little bit later on in life um i've come to kind of know one or two people who have really made a big difference in my life around it um and just the concept of how can you use your money to make money for you is probably a, a line that stood out out for me so um Yeah, So I probably, in hindsight, I'd I'd look back. I think one of the natural things for young guys is to, is that when they get like a contract, they go and buy themselves an apartment or something like that. There's not a lot of capital gains on that apartment, you know, but that's kind of what you do or stuff like that. Whereas, you know, there are other ways you can go about it. Um, That's just one example, but um, yeah, I, I probably could have done it a lot better, but you know, that, that, that's uh, something I, I, I live and learn with. I always probably equate it to, um, yeah. I think I said to you before we're on. It's, I felt like I was standing at the bottom of the mountain, looking up, and I had to climb this mountain, and I had no idea how to get to the top. Mm. But it's just finding, one, you know, ways that you know to put one foot in front of the other, and then and then eventually it, it starts to be, the way starts to become a little bit clearer. So that that was that was probably something I wish I'd learned. I'd definitely put a little bit more time in the earlier in life. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, I agree. The one thing, like from my perspective, I was I was super nervous and uh, about like trusting anyone really, um, after seeing and and not understanding like the stock market, for example. And then when it, there was a crash in two thousand and eight, I was just like, I didn't know enough about it. So I just once things sort of evened out a bit, I just pulled it out because I just wasn't educated. I was I didn't really understand what these people were talking about when you'd sort of have these sort of workshops or lectures around um investment. But it's not until, as you said, you, you you get the right information where it can start to just make you understand a little bit of how to make yeah how to make your money make money instead of yeah. um the other the other <laughs> the other way around is just yeah spending it. So so what it once you did, what are the things that you sort of moved uh, moved into from an investment perspective?
1: Uh, well, I've, I've much more balanced it out between property and and the share market. Mm. I, I think that that was that was the um. Uh, the, the the first thing for me, um, and then yeah, I, I, I've I mean I, I've found someone I I do trust yeah. w- with, with it as well, and I think that that's really important because just back to your point, I think as a young person coming through, it, it, it's a, a bit easy just to kind of listen to mum and dad or or whatever, and and I'm not saying don't listen to them because because they'll really have your best interests at heart. Um, but maybe it's worth finding someone else or a couple of other people as well who you can bounce ideas off and, and even be educated about, um, just to get a more of a rounded idea that, that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I probably, probably the thing for me is, um, I, I've found someone who's been out to invest, help me invest. And then even looking at like, yeah, my, my real estate portfolio, how, how that, um, Plays out now in later life when it was okay when I was kind of younger and I was going to England every year so I could rent those places out and things like that. But you know now now things have to change and um, my life's very different. So um, little things like that probably yeah that that um, have made more sense to me
0: as I got older. Mm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Around just finding. A person that you do trust who's giving you um, great advice, but also educating you as around, so you can be more aware of what what's going on around you. Um, yeah, that's great advice, Bucky. One thing that I've, I've realised that life is all about how well you bounce back from the setbacks that life always throws at you, um, and you've certainly had your fair share as um, as well. So, do you have a mantra or a saying in your life that helps you bounce back quicker from the challenges that life always throws your way?
1: I don't know if I have such a like a I, I guess one of the things you know, uh, I like the idea of it. I always um, the way I equated playing for Australia was it was riding a roller coaster. So you had great days with the you know the the the, the, be, the highest you know the best days, and then the the, the low days were just horrible and. um, and it was about trying to balance that out. Like I always thought, you know, that that brief time that George Bailey was in involved, I, I just thought he was amazing because he was the batsman who was most under pressure. And yeah, he, he would turn up, big smile on his face, like he was just having the greatest time in the world. He wasn't he wasn't getting that many runs, and I just remember saying to him, like, mate, like, how do you do it? And he just said, he said, mate, he said, when I wake up in the morning until the time I like, uh, I, I go to sleep. I don't change as a person. If I get a duck or a hundred, I'm still exactly the same person. And it, it kind of that kind of resonated with me. So back to your point, it's probably try to kind of live life that it, it, it's never as great as it seems, as never as bad as it seems either. And, yeah. and just kind of you know work through the middle. That doesn't mean you don't enjoy yourself. I mean, you you, you know I'm the first one to go and enjoy myself as much as I can. But <laughs> yeah. but um. But yeah, just trying to kind of um, find ways not to ride the roller coaster so hard. I think that that probably um, probably would would help me at times.
0: Yep, uh, that's yeah, it's it's great advice. There's no doubt. Like you don't want to be someone who is like on on neutral and doesn't really like doesn't ma- enjoy when things go well because that's yeah, what life's yeah. all about. Yeah, you, know, you want to you want to have that yeah. emotion to be able to. Um, be satisfied and that that real sort of feeling of accomplishment but the the other side is you don't want to dig too deep either when things don't go well because it, it is a roller coaster and before you know it it's at some stage it's going to turn it's going to turn up the other way you don't know exactly when (laughs) you don't know when like for you for example 2008 through to 2013 it took a while for that roller coaster to sort of turn back around but um but that's that's the well the beauty of life is you never know exactly what's around the corner but if you can ride that roller coaster to average out a little bit more (laughs) yeah (laughs) it'll make things a little bit a little bit more Uh. yeah sustainable well, just even even
1: on that, I think if you spoke to just about anyone who played, who was lucky enough to play for Australia, and then they retired, mm-hmm. I bet if you asked them, 99% would say, oh, I just wish I hadn't put so much pressure on myself. Yeah, yeah. I just enjoyed myself a little yeah. bit more. And then you just want to give these people that advice, but you say it to them, it goes in one ear and out the other. So it's, you know, I don't, you know, but that's, that would be the advice I could give myself. If I a younger version of myself if i if I could but yeah whether I listen i don't
0: know <laughs> <laughs> but I, I completely agree but that's I think that's also that's well that's just about part of about the environment that's around when you're playing for Australia like if the environment the team environment set up for that then you've got no choice but to really enjoy yourself as much as you can, but if it's a very sort of um a highly strung, tense sort of environment around the team. Then, it, then it's nearly impossible. Your default is to be able to <laughs> feel like, um, yeah, you know, to put that pressure on yourself. But you're absolutely right. That's you grow up dreaming of playing cricket for your, for Australia for your country, and then once you get into it, it feel it can feel like it's just it just this expectation, everything, the pressure that you put on yourself just suffocates you. Um, but it should be the time of your life. <laughs> Yeah, really, yeah, it should be, and then yeah,
1: yeah, you the interesting thing is once you get there, too, you spend a lot of your time trying so hard not to get dropped <laughs> as opposed to just enjoying what's in front yeah. of you. But it's but that's because you want to stay in the circus, you, yeah. you, you just you love it, you know, like it's just that, as I said, the great times are the best times in your life, and mm. some of the best
0: times in your life, and you just want more of it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But then, then we go back to the, the mental skills side of things to be able to, how to be able to sort of navigate your way, way around to try and bring the best version of yourself. And yeah. if you can strip it back to exactly what you said around just that, that two thoughts, one thought is a ball is about to be bold. And you do that from a batting and bowling perspective. And then in between yeah. balls is just, and stay present along that. Then you give stay yourself present, more yeah. of a chance, more of a chance to, to absorb it. <laughs> uh, as you know, to the best of your ability. What will be will be. I always, mm. I always think that, you
1: know, the guys who play for Australia, it wasn't an accident they got there. And, and the people who didn't play for Australia, um, for the most part, there's, you know, this is, there's, there's, there is a few people who it's, it, it may not be true for, but there was a reason they didn't play for Australia as well. So if you're good enough, you'll make it, you know, just keep, keep working hard. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of, it's kind of like sometimes if you could just look at it a bit like that, what will be will be. Just accept what what will, what's going to happen.
0: Yeah, Bucky, you've you've met and been around a lot of incredibly successful people. Is there is there one or two people who have inspired you the most and why?
1: It's interesting. I, I don't. I guess there's there's people that I've come along, you know, in cricket circles. It's more the people the, the people who inspire me are the the ones who. Who uh, I reckon are the ones who, when they retire, they'll have people lining up to sit ne- next to them on the barstool, you know, um, that that kind of thing. So they're they're the kind of people I, you know, like I, I probably resonate towards. Um, and then I guess uh, someone, you know, guys like in the media, I've been lucky enough to work with, with Jared Waitley. I think that yes. he's a he's a exceptional um, human being. I, I've, I've been lucky enough to be kind of mentored a little bit by a guy, guy named Darren Holder, who, who's in coach mm. development. I think mm-hmm. he's um, absolutely fantastic. He has a few detractors, but, you know, he's been exceptional to, Stubby. to me. Stubby was um, my under-19
0: under, under 19 Queensland coach. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> Back in the day.
1: Um, Greg Shippard is probably another one for, for, for me. Um, he he – he, as as a coach, he's the, the most prepared coach I've ever seen. Like you, you would you would turn up to a ground and um and it would just be full of uh you know, there'd be three whiteboards full of information, you know, that kind of stuff. And and you know, you pick and choose which bit you look at and stuff like that. But he was, you know, he was his attention to detail was outstanding and, and I don't think anyone who knows him is surprised how much success he's managed to transfer over the T twenty game despite being you know, one of the most boring batsmen that ever played the game kind of thing. But, <laughs> yeah. um, but that's part of him, you know, and he's, he's, he's full of grit and, and determination and stuff like that. So so those kind of people. Um, in terms of players I played with, it's a tough one because, you, you know, you, I think I've played with with so many um, that, it, that it becomes a bit, bit difficult just to name a few. But... Mm. Um, it's more, it's more like I probably, even just my parents, my parents mm. are, you know, people that I, that I look at and school teachers, tried different things, now own a cricket ground, um, work hard, 77, still working as hard as anybody I know, you know, and, and, um, and are still together, you know, it's mm. just, so just things like that. They're probably that, that kind of stuff. So a bit of a fluffy answer there, but yeah, probably, Probably people that I just know privately. I think they're they're the ones that inspire me. Yeah, yeah, and 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 poor and poor probably the other one, the one I talked to you about, who's helped me financially. He's, he's one oh, of yep. my best mates. I yep. played. He was a a five foot six opening bowler for Pran Cricket Club, who perhaps even has the most amount of wickets for the you know. And if he'd been another kind of seven or eight inches taller, <laughs> would have played for Australia. But he's um, yeah. But he found his calling
0: with what he does anyway. So um, yeah, that's another one. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Um, yeah, it's 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 awesome how your parents are the ones who do like that. They do inspire you um, with what they what they do. You know the sacrifices they made for you. That you know the 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 life that they've sort of lived as well. You know the generation be before. Like it was, it's very different <laughs> to the life we're sort of experiencing now. But their work work ethic. For yeah, for me with my parents in particular, just their work ethic is just. Well, I, yeah, I mean I see sixty-five-year-old
1: people and or well, sixty-year-old people. And I think my my parents are working twice as hard as them, and you think yeah. that that's just incredible, you know. Yeah. They, they so yeah, and and you know some of the best moments when you play is actually. Um, um, I know it's a bit like the grade cricketer kind of calls, but I remember the, the, getting the first hundred for. for for Australia, and um, I was meant to go for dinner with with someone in in England that I'd I'd become quite close for, and I just had to say, look, sorry, mate, I'm sharing this with my parents, yeah. you know, that that kind of thing. And they're the moment that they they, yeah. they truly are. Actually, yeah. I can remember that dinner, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, Bucky, this is a final question, mate. I really appreciate um, your time and all these incredible insights. Um, I absolutely love reading, as and and I know you certainly do as well. Uh, can you give me a couple of the best books that you've read and have had the most impact on you?
1: Funnily enough, if I think about, I just wrote them down because you asked me. Give a bit of a- and <laughs> they all kind of have similar themes, really. So, yeah. um, the power of one was um, was a book I, I you know I I reckon I read that half a dozen times when I was kind of in my teens. Really? That's know, a just, big book yeah. too. That's a big yeah and, yeah, and Candia, um, which was the follow up. Mm. Oh, look, I, I I probably read I don't know, I'd read uh 20, 30 books a year. So um, <laughs> it's it's hard to kind of remember all of them, but that was probably the one that always stood out to me. Mm. Um, and it's that, you know, it's that kind of hero story that, you know, someone coming from from nowhere to conquer, um, and then Unbroken, which was a book that you recommended yeah. to me, if you remember. Yeah, there was a little funny story about that because on a on a text you wrote, methinks as as two words, <laughs> and, and then you refused to believe it was one word. And I went back <laughs> and I found this this word in the book Unbroken, and I showed it to you. So you had nowhere to go with that. But anyway, I didn't
0: to think that's that's um, how how good a. Um, an understanding of the English language. I remember that me thinks I was like, there's no way that that's actually like a saying or a word or anything like that. But yeah, you certainly (laughs) all the doing all those cross, all those crosswords and you found in the book that I recommended. (laughs) What a book unbroken is what a story far out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, and then grit by Angela Duckworth. Mm. Um, And, and you did, you you asked me about a saying too, that I I, I knew I was going to say this later on. So I didn't say it, but there's a, there's a, Commented that where effort counts twice, and that's probably something that's um, that stood out to me. You know, when I was growing up, playing with all the kind of the golden child players, you know, the, the ones who could you know smoke cover drives, pull them for six and stuff like that. But but gee, they didn't score many runs, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. A lot of talent, but you know, they you know the fact that. I like that that comment that effort counts, twi- counts mm-hmm. twice. counts to So, yeah. yeah, that was probably a, a, another book, but three books that probably all yeah have the the concept of resilience in them. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. It's, gosh, it's it's one thing that I do know, Bucky, is you are probably one of, yeah probably the most well read cricketer that I ever played with. So, yeah. um, for those three books to stand out, then everyone well, I've read. Um, I've read one of them and I'll have to get onto I know the power of one story, but I need to read it. It's just, it's daunting. It's big. It's big. <laughs> it's big.
1: <laughs> it, is, it is. It's big, but it's a, it's a it's an incredible story. And yeah. it is fiction, but, you know, it's just, it's it's it was, you know, especially for me too, I was a little ginger-haired, um, bad-skinned kid, used to get picked on a bit. So, you know, yeah. so I kind of like that those kind of stories. They resonated with me.
0: I'm sure yeah, you mate. picked on me once or twice. Oh, oh yeah, maybe maybe in that phase. Yeah, maybe in that phase when we didn't see eye to eye. But no way, not not after not after we reunited 2013. No way in the world. Exactly. Very nice, mm-hmm. Bucky. This is really been very special to have you on this episode of Lessons Over the Greats. Uh, you are always an absolute student of the game that we love so much and has now been so special to hear all of your incredible insights that everyone can learn from for the future. I'm so grateful for you giving me the time to share all of these amazing experiences and insights with us and we are all that much richer for digging deeper into the mind of one of the greats. Thanks Bucky.
1: No please mate, just, just I, I kind of touched on it before but it's funny when it, when you, you you go through your whole career and then you you kind of reflect at the, the end of it and actually the thing that stands out for the most is um, what are the relationships you have with with people when you look back and and um, yeah I, I'm I'm grateful for a, a lot of those relationships that I was I was able to have so and this is another one thanks mate.
0: For more episodes of Lessons Learned with the Greats, head to t 20 starscom forward slash podcast. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.